How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. In today's episode, we will discuss the article from the October issue entitled Helping Them at Home, Community Paramedicine in the Heart of the Nation's Largest City. My guest today is Mr. Morty Lax. Morty is a critical care paramedic and the Community Paramedicine Program Director at Senior Care EMS. Morty, welcome to EMS World Podcasts. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure to be here with you. Morty, this was a great article highlighting all the incredible services that Senior Care EMS offers. If you wouldn't mind, please just give the listener a brief background about Senior Care EMS. Senior Care started back in 2005 and uh, with just a handful of employees, three ambulances dispatched pretty much out of a driveway and uh, has grown um, to the company that it is today with about 200 vehicles on the road. Uh, initially, the intent was to service um, nursing homes and has grown obviously well beyond that. Now, uh, having a uh, community paramedicine program, as well as being the uh, major critical care provider uh, for interfacility for uh, some major hospital systems here in New York City. It's impressive, uh, to say the least, that it's grown exponentially. I mean, that's a huge growth. And, you know, community paramedicine and mobile integrated health obviously is a very hot topic these days in the EMS industry. One thing that I wanted to highlight, though, is the accomplishments of your agency specifically in the fact that it is a private agency. And in many cases, and maybe more so in in some areas uh, more than others in the country, that privatization has a bit of a stigma to it, almost a negative uh, connotation in the sense that it's not the same as a municipal-based or hospital-based. And I think that it's really important to outline just how incredibly successful senior care EMS has been, not just in this critical care element, but you also provide EMS service to the city of New York, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So um, we do have ambulances that participate uh, in the New York City 911 system as a third party provider for hospitals. Um, and we come with a with hundreds of years of, of background in, in EMS, um, both uh, in the municipal side and, and, and otherwise. So there's a, there's a tremendous background here um, in EMS leadership uh, across the board. And uh, I guess with the company's um, mission and vision really being summarized uh, more as, as uh, core values, being clinical excellence and outstanding customer service, that's pretty much what we operate by day in, day out. Absolutely. So let's get down into this whole uh, MIH and the community paramedicine and what, you're, what you've accomplished there at Senior Care. This started as a partnership, a joint venture, correct, with one of the health systems in New York City? Yes. So uh, we worked together with, uh, with Mount Sinai, uh, with uh, Dr. Kevin Munjal's leadership, uh, him being a, a very strong supporter, uh, advocate um, for community paramedicine uh, here in New York City, New York State, and uh, uh, nationwide. Um, working together with uh, Dr. Munjal's team at Mount Sinai, uh, we've been able to uh, get up and running uh, with their clinical background um, and the medical control aspect of it, uh, bringing in the patients and our providers being the responders, the clinicians on the scene. 
Interesting. So I'm curious as to your, um, what is your outlook on community paramedicine and mobile integrated health? Because to me, I do feel it's the future. And I do think if you look at it on the surface, it really is the way that we should be moving. Instead of that fee for service, you know, fee for almost transport type of thing, this allows us to really practice medicine and also, you know, carries into that the preventative type mode where we're actually preventing people from going to the hospital, which should always be our goal. It's the, it's the holistic approach of looking at this and saying, hey, listen, we have the ability to make people more compliant and to make sure that they're doing the right thing, as opposed to just taking somebody in the ambulance and dropping them off at the hospital. Yes, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that uh, this is the future of EMS, although uh, one might argue that uh, we're living in the future because it's it's here now. Um, we're, we're already doing it. I think we're really at a, at a turning point today, um, having experienced what we have uh, uh, throughout this pandemic, um, where where we really are delivering this uh, uh, to patients um, and keeping them home successfully in, in many cases. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious, with the way it rolls out at your, at your agency, can anybody do this? Can anybody be a community paramedic? Or do you have a certain certification that people have to go through to be part of it within your agency? How does it work? So we launched the program initially um, cherry picking uh, from our elite. And we began with our critical care paramedics being that they already have a more in-depth understanding of medicine um, with the background of the classes they've taken and their experience in the field. Um, And then slowly over time, as the program has grown, um, we've expanded that to other paramedics. The training is is done by Dr. Munjal. There really is is not a lot of um, uh, educational opportunity out there, at least formal educational opportunity out there for um, this type of uh, modality. And, um, probably the only one out there is, uh, is the same certification that, uh, today provides the certifications for the, um, uh, flight medics. Yeah. The flight medics. Right. Um, so, so, and that really caters more to a model of community paramedicine that we're not practicing so much here in New York. Um, New York is a little bit different in that sense where we're really the, uh, activation for, uh, critical care for for community paramedicine rather is more on demand. Um, whereas out west, for example, they're they're really doing a lot of well visits, which is something that's not really being done here right now. Um, the system does not allow for that. So uh, Dr. Munjal has actually designed the training. He provides a uh, a good didactic course that bridges the gap between um, the basic medic uh, paramedic knowledge and the training that medics have received and their experience. And of course, experience is a, is a big component here that uh, that is added to the mix. Uh, and we combine that with um, some time in the field uh, with some home care providers um, at Mount Sinai, where we go along and visit with those patients, similar to a training shift ride along that a paramedic would have during their internship. Uh, we would do what's called a walk along. And, uh, and then we put them, uh, we put our trainees on shifts with our critical care paramedics who are our first line, as I said. Uh, to respond to these calls where they'll be exposed to these calls and combine the uh, uh, both the didactic training that they got, their clinical experience, and uh, now the big operational change that um, all comes to play together on these calls. What's interesting is I, I think that it's such uh, an opportunity. You know, we as paramedics and, and we in the EMS field always feel that we don't get the recognition, and, and rightfully so in many situations. But I think that, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that this is the the platform 
for the EMS industry to start to get that recognition and to really start to show the many things and, and the many forms that EMS can take. I mean, truthfully, as paramedics, we're an extension of the physician. And we, are, we have a, a tremendous amount of responsibility that goes into a lot of our decisions, our clinical decisions. And so now we're able to bring this into the home and as I said, you know, even potentially prevent people from going. I think that's something that should never be overlooked, Morty. And I'm, I'm curious about what your thought is on that, because maybe this is going to open up those opportunities that the EMS provider has looked for for so many years. Yeah. So uh, from the provider's perspective, um, I can tell you definitively that there's a very high level of satisfaction. They're, they're really, really pleased to be able to be practicing this type of medicine, being in, in, in this environment with these patients. Um, where, where we're so uh, typically hospital-centric and driven to, no pun intended, take these patients to the hospital, um, we have the opportunity to sit and, and, and take a couple more minutes to really see what's going on with these folks, uh, be a, a bigger part of the healthcare continuum by bringing this uh, uh, telemedicine uh, with the doc to the patient with our tools and our assessment capabilities and be able to add value to the healthcare system that has not been there until now, and uh, which leads to the issue of reimbursement, which is why it really is not taking off as much as it could here in our region. Well, I'm curious, what do you mean by that specifically? When you say it's not taking off because of that reimbursement, what what is happening and what can be done so that it's better as far as EMS agencies looking to take this on? So today, um, EMS pay is based on transportation. And uh, when we don't transport, there needs to be another way to get paid. Um, and in order for that to work today, you have to partner uh, with, with potentially either other health systems um, or other programs that are willing to assume that risk uh, where that today does not exist. Um, and uh, probably the best change that could occur is for CMS to take this on. And... Uh, uh, hopefully, ET3 that's coming around the corner will help prove this even more and show that this is a viable option and a better for the healthcare system overall by reducing hospitalization um, and reducing the overall cost of healthcare as a result um, by including us in that picture and enabling us to get reimbursed for what we do provide at the scene. I mean, besides the time that we spend on scene, taking that unit out of uh, circulation um, and that provider. We are providing at times medications and other treatments and, and those things obviously come with a cost. So you bring up ET3 and I'm, I'm glad you did because I was going to get to it. Is this something that you are participating in with what you're doing now? Or are you, in other words, are you part of that pilot? Or is this something that you've done previously and may get into that ET3 side? So this program is totally separate from ET3. Um, this program uh, has patients that are enrolled. Uh, it initially actually began with Mount Sinai's uh, visiting doctor service patients um, and, uh, and, and, a, and a couple of other programs. It's expanded beyond. Uh, ET3 is a totally separate uh, pilot project that is going to pertain specifically to PSAPs, to 911 centers, to 911 responding um, ambulance services. So being that we have uh, ambulances that participate in the New York City 911 system, um, we are going to be on board with this. We uh, uh, are going to be part of this together with the other providers in the 911 system and, and the fire department here in New York City. Um, 
and hopefully be able to prove yet again that this can work on, a, on an even broader scale. Yeah. And and for those that aren't aware or um, understand the ET3 model, that was proposed by CMS. And the way that is that way that's supposed to work is it's the emergency triage treatment transport modality where we would have these individuals be able to go into the home and either treat at home via telemedicine, transport to the hospital, or transport to a, a tertiary facility, correct, Morty? Yeah, that's correct. Potentially even someplace like an urgent care center. Right, which in many cases, like you say, is going to bring the cost of healthcare down, I think, which CMS recognizes. And it's actually bringing all of these entities together, which is, uh, again, something that we have really strived for over the decades in EMS so that we become part of this puzzle. Whereas we're not just on the outside, we're not just ambulance drivers, which just drives me nuts anyway. Um, we're actually part of the solution to the healthcare, the pre-hospital side. So again, I think it's really important to realize how we, how this EMS opportunity is right in front of us and that you were able to visualize this long before even the ET3 model came up on the map. You know, I, I'm curious also with respect to the model that you're running, how is it affected or impacted during COVID? Since we know that COVID in our area here in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, we got absolutely crushed. How were you impacted? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, that was a rough, uh, those were a rough couple of months. Um, I'd say that uh, our, our system overall took, uh, took quite a beating, and that's not just uh, EMS. I mean, the entire healthcare system, which I'm sure everybody can appreciate, they all saw it. Um, and uh, in, in terms of ambulance volume, obviously, certain things did stop on the interfacility side, such as elective work. Um, but, uh, but the amount of patients that we were moving on the interfacility side was, was immense. We were moving a lot of patients from down in the city, uh, to other areas within the state to decompress the system. Well, at the, on, on the flip side, the community paramedicine program volume had gone through the roof. It increased by some 500%. Um, we were seeing many, many, many patients. And, and while the transport rate was, uh, higher than what was typical for the rest of the community paramedicine program, we were still successfully able to keep some patients home um, with continued monitoring. Morty, how did the staff handle that, you know, knowing that they were potentially going into a home? I mean, it certainly wouldn't change from the pre-hospital side, but go with the community paramedicine side, going in, knowing that there was potential for a patient to have COVID. Were they uh, apprehensive about that? Did it change their view on things? Were there people that bowed out? How did that play out? The answer is really all of the above. Um, you had different providers, some newer providers that, that bowed out. Um, we had some providers that joined up just for this purpose, uh, especially some that had left the field. Um, and some providers, I'd say many of the providers, while they were apprehensive, they also at the same time really stepped up to the plate and, and met this challenge face on, as scary as it was. Um, you know, this, this was a, this was a, I, I like to, I don't like to compare it to 9-11, but, you know, 9-11 was a, was a massive event. You know, uh, uh, many of us were involved in, in that as well at the time, but this is one that just didn't end. It just kept going. Um, and, and, and our providers really, really felt that. You can tell today uh, some of them are still reeling from it a bit. 
um, knowing that you have to go into places and uh, you have to gear up every single time and, and any little misstep potentially you're exposing yourself um, it is quite frightening. Um, but our folks really stepped up to the challenge. Uh, on the community paramedicine side, you know, that gets on a whole nother level, right? So you're now you're gearing up with, with all this PPE and you're sitting in the patient's environment. You know, and you're spending time there with the patients. So not only do you have to decontaminate everything afterwards uh, and sanitize all your equipment, but you really are spending more time in that environment. It is frightening. Um, but at the same time, uh, you you can tell there's a palpable uh, uh, sense that that these providers understood what it was that they were doing and the tremendous impact they were having. And I, I truly hope that that they realize what they've what they've done and what they were able to accomplish for these folks. Um, we, we actually uh, had a, a crew that uh, we had we had two community paramedics uh, that had somebody from the New York Times riding along with them. New York Times actually did a piece on this. Um, and uh, uh, it, it was amazing. They showed multiple aspects of this. Um, they're, they're both of them have to be critical care paramedics. And they highlighted uh, what these folks were enduring during this uh, during this pandemic, and the, types, the different types of patients that they were seeing, some that stayed home, some did not. Um, and some that ultimately did not survive. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really powerful, you know, statement or group of statements that you just said, because I couldn't say it any better. I think that the COVID-19 uh, surge was something like we've never seen. And, and as you said, I, I was at 9-11 as well. And that was absolutely insane, but it stopped, right? And this is something that, like you said, didn't stop. It just kept going. And I think it was the actual time where EMS really was on center stage. They were there shining because they were the, and I, and I deem them frontline warriors. They were the ones that were going in constantly, you know, with little to no concern for themselves, their family, anybody. They were doing it because this was their job. There's always a little fanfare, but this was their time to shine. And so, you know, kudos to your folks and, and to all of those that are, are that were doing it and continue to do it, especially from that community paramedicine side. And I'm curious as to how you feel the COVID surge is going to carry over with this community paramedicine. Do you believe that it's going to drive it further? Are numbers up? Are numbers down? What, what do you foresee in the future based on the COVID-19 surge? So it's a little bit difficult to tell because things seem to be in flux right now uh, in healthcare in general. Um, volume overall uh, in EMS today is down. Um, many potential contributing factors to that, uh, one of which is patients being more apprehensive to end up in a hospital today. Um, so it's really hard to tell where that's headed. Um, but in terms of, of community paramedicine, if that really is the case, um, then there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to expand potentially and see more of these patients in their home environment and, and continue to keep them at home, hopefully healthier, um, at times where, especially those that are apprehensive to call now, those might be patients that we could pay a visit to and uh, provide some care at home and help them make that decision as to whether to be going in uh, or not, obviously, together with uh, with that physician that um, we work so closely with. 
Yeah, I really do think it's an invitation into the arena for EMS, and this is certainly going to be the future. I think that it's going to benefit patients, but it's also going to uh, benefit our industry as a whole. And Morty, I really want to commend you on on the job that you're doing there at Senior Care EMS and, and all the incredible staff members that you have there and what they are doing, what they've been doing. You really are trailblazing. And I think that many are going to listen to this and, and say, hey, you know, this is this is an area where we need to really start to look at because it's uh, it's an opportunity and it's also going to benefit those within the community. So kudos to you and to your agency. And I, and I really want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity to uh, to uh, give over our experience and uh, uh, hopefully open the the door for for people to see how much opportunity there really is out there for this to uh, uh, continue to be a, a great way to uh, become a greater participant in the healthcare continuum. Fantastic, Morty. Well, thank you again for coming on and thank you for listening. This has been another episode of EMS World Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. We'll see you real soon. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 